from Love Inc. or <laughs> or the one that she just mentioned. All right. All right. Oh, where is it? You sent it down. Oh, okay. So I have no idea. Okay. So she's going to go get it. All right. And in the meantime, um, we uh, will prepare our hearts that, that we are ready to hear his message, that we are ready to hear what uh, he will bring forth through his vessel, Mary, today. Yes. And as I say that, the announcements are approaching, even now. I, I, I laughed, I, I kept looking, and I thought, oh my gosh, you I missed my time. Yes. I thought I misplaced it, and then I went, that to me. Linda Heflin? Yeah, I don't want to know. Okay. Did the mic go off? Yeah. How did the mic go Here it is. I got it. There we go. Is that good? All right. Sorry about that. So my name is Mary. Um, I used to work here in Rockford in a ministry called Loving. That's how I met Pastor Dola many years ago. It's been almost 20 years now. I've known her for a long time, and so she asked me to come today. So here are your announcements. You have a men's breakfast 20th at 8.30 a.m. All the men are welcome and encouraged to come. So that men can build each other up in the Lord. I think we all need somebody to help us in our walk. We do better if we have friends and, and allies, I think. Um, let's the prayer list. So Linda Heflin yeah, needs prayer. And Tony, what does she need prayer for? She just said she's under the weather. She's under the weather. Um, Wendy and her family, that the comforter may heal the brokenhearted and lift Mike Gerard up and take total control of his health issues. And I'd like to throw in here uh, Pastor Dola and Pastor Gary, who are ministering in Branson, and they've had many health challenges, and so that you pray for their health and the strength in this new ministry of theirs. Um, and there's envelopes behind every seat. Thank you for what's been given. It is, it, I know it's always tough to, to give. Um, Wednesday family night, women of faith, ladies 18 and over, the Wrestling Warrior Project, men 18 and over, and Powerhouse Youth, 11 to 18, and Kids World, 4 to 10. What time do you start your Wednesday night? 6.30. 6.30. All right. And I think that's all the announcements. Does anybody have anything else that I have missed or that I didn't do right? Are we good? So I actually, so I, it's been a while since I've been here and done a message. I will tell you that um, I have done messages over the years, and I was kind of thinking of doing something new. And it's and in my heart, what I heard was is that sometimes what we need to do is talk about. out 
and they hit you with a verse that tells you to shut up and stop complaining or stop talking about what hurts you or what is disturbing you, because I sure have. It, making peace with joy is such a hard thing to do. A while back, I was involved in what's called a Genesis change group. I think they still do it at the mission. And it is a biblical way to deal with self-destructive behaviors that we might have. And we as a group would meet together, um, and there were five of us who would work things out. And in our study book, there was a page titled The Joy Center. And here's the quote that started this little message. Joy is a unique form of gladness and is mainly produced by somebody being glad to see you. Now, I have heard many definitions of joy over the year, as a heathen and as a Christian. And I should probably tell you that I have somewhat of an uneasy relationship with joy. Sometimes it felt to me like I'd be happy and then immediately after something terrible would happen. And so I have, be I have become suspicious of joy. As I read this passage, I saw a couple of things. One is a little, just a little fact. There is an actual scientific location in your brain for joy. It is located behind your right eyeball. It is called the joy center. The second thing that hit was this. The joy center has a purpose, a function in our lives. Healing and developing this joy center is probably the most important part of getting free of destructive relationships and behavior. Now, isn't that amazing? Joy helps us get free of things that drag us down. I have a, what I thought was I have a joy center and I need to heal it and develop it. What kind of idea is that? And is it even possible? I thought the brain was pretty much done with its development by age four or so. But it turns out that God in his wisdom did something pretty amazing. This joy center is one of the few things in our brain that continue to heal and grow in our lifetime. One of the very few things in our brains that continue to heal and grow. So let's go back to that first statement for just a minute. Joy is a unique form of gladness and is mainly produced by someone being glad to see you. Now, I understood that statement on a gut level, in my bones. Let's be honest here for just a second in the privacy of our thoughts. Who is it that you like being with the best? Isn't it the people who are glad to see us? The people who greet us with a hug and a smile and act like they're, they're overjoyed to see us? Wouldn't church be a terrible joy or a terrible place to be if you walked in the door and you heard people mumbling, they're here again? No, I can't believe she came back. We come because there are people here who are glad to see us, who are interested in us, who smile, who talk to us and greet us. Have you ever had a child open their arms to you or light up when you walk in a room? I have to tell you, it's one of the reasons that being a parent is such a wonder and a joy is that their faces light up when you walk in the room. And they are so glad to see you. Anybody here ever watch those YouTube videos where um, people come home from war?
enjoy. So in Nehemiah chapter 8, I'm going to spend some time here this morning with, this, with the scripture that I have a history with. The joy of the Lord is in your strength. How many have heard of it? Right? I have heard that scripture many, many times. I think I may even have read it a time or two. The, the entire passage in its context, and frankly, it always kind of, it, I was confused by it. Maybe because I had this uneasy relationship with joy. I've also heard it as a rebuke for myself or for others. And it's been trotted out a few times on me as a Christian kind of way to shut me up when I am upset or hurt or sad. Maybe you can think of the time that this has been done to you with the scripture. But I'm going to tell you mine. There was an instance in particular when my husband, who had been a recovering alcoholic, started to use heroin. He had been a recovering alcoholic for seven years, and in 2003, he broke his sobriety. And for reasons known only to himself, he broke his sobriety by using heroin. And when I found out, he, of course, promised to stop. And we had about a week when things seemed normal. But one Wednesday morning, right before I went to work, I caught him trying to sneak out of the house to make a buy. Now, any illusion that I had that he was going to be able to stop was shattered. I knew in that moment that he was going to die from his addiction. It was, I just knew he wasn't going to be able to quit. But I also knew that my life, our life together, was at an end. Any chance that he was going to be able to go back to running his business for computers, that was gone. Any chance that he would be around for Christmas and holidays and when our son graduated and when he got married and when my children had grandchildren, that was going to be gone too. My, I couldn't let him run the household, make decisions. I couldn't let him do that because of the money that would go out the door. I couldn't let him set the agenda for our family as he had for, for many years. I couldn't let him make decisions for our son. I had to take over. And truly, I didn't want to. I had no desire to run the family. I wanted him to do it, but I knew it, would stop, it was gone. So that morning, I dealt with the problems at home. And I went to work like normal, or at least something close to it. And I had a prayer luncheon that I was scheduled to attend. What we would do is on one Wednesday a month, we would, as women, we would all meet together. And we would pray. We'd have lunch. It was a very simple format. Nobody had to do anything. That's all we did. It was lovely. I looked forward to it. And I went. Christian women in ministry that this would be a safe place where I, these women would be kind to me and maybe even pray for me or have words of wisdom for me. There were about eight of us that day. We ate our lunch, and then during the time of prayer, I shared some pieces of the day. I didn't go into huge details, but I shared enough. I talked about Charlie's relapse and my response. I was almost broken into with the pain of my disappointment and the fear for the future and just the sheer horror of losing this man I loved. And I knew that's what was happening. And a woman next to me interrupted me and said with great authority, you're a woman of God, and the joy of the Lord is your strength. She preached me a sermon that day. 
how to count all things a joy, how I was not behaving in a way that would proclaim Jesus, that I needed to stop giving a negative testimony. And I hated her. How Christian is that? I, I was crushed by what she said. And I wasn't too happy with the whole group of Christian women who didn't say a thing. Who let her go on and on and on and pile on me and tell me what a horrible Christian I was. Because I was sad and broken and disappointed. And by the time I got into my car and started driving home, I hated me. How could I feel God by not holding on to joy? Or was I supposed to hold on to my joy? Or was it his joy? I was condemned and angry that I couldn't seem to get a hold of the, I, this whole idea of the joy of the Lord being my strength. Now I am sure, looking back, that something in my story triggered her own pain. Her overreaction to my request for prayer in a terrible situation was really just over the top. But that day, any rational or kind thought was completely absent. I was in pain, and joy seemed like a cruel joke or a distant mirage. So what's the truth about joy? Where does it come from? How can it be my strength? How, how can that work? And so let's look at Nehemiah 8 and allow me to start by summarizing the beginning of the story. The southern part of Israel has been taken over by enemies, and most of the population have been carried off to foreign lands. And the best of the best were being trained to serve their new rulers. Nehemiah was one of these guys who was serving the king in Persia, a heathen, where when the word reached him that the temple in Jerusalem was being reconstructed. He grew anxious knowing there was no wall to protect the city. So Nehemiah invited God to use him to save the city. And God answered his prayer by softening the heart of the Persian king, Artaxerxes, who gave him not only his blessing, but gave him supplies to be used in the project. And he returns to Jerusalem where he is made governor. Now, Nehemiah surveys the area and decides to rebuild the wall, reform the people, and the book of Nehemiah covers about 20 years. Not going to do all of that. From 445 B.C. to 425 B.C. And in spite of oppositions and accusations, the wall was built and the enemy silenced. The people, inspired by Nehemiah, give tithes of money, supplies, and manpower to complete the wall in a remarkable 52 days, despite a lot of opposition. And in chapter 8, high priest Ezra leads an, epi- an expedition of Jews back to Jerusalem with the blessing of the same king. And after the wall is built, all the people who have helped gather in the city and listen to Ezra read the holy word of God. And they stand for six hours as they listen. And then they begin to cry. This starting Nehemiah 8, verse 9. This day is holy. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. There's confusion about this passage sometimes. And the woman that talked to me that day, she was confused. She actually was talking about my joy, of which I had none that day. I had no joy. 
I was completely depleted and defeated. Oh, we Christians seem to think we are responsible for holding on to this mysterious kind of joy, but it comes from God, not from our weak human selves. It comes from God. And joy is not some disembodied emotion to be put on like a hat only to be blown off your head in some wind of circumstance. But it is a quality, an attribute of God that he gives to us to strengthen us. Joy is spoken of here as a response to the reading of the law. It, is, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It is a response of the people's heart to God's words. And those first few books of the law include stories of rescue, redemption, and restoration. The stories give them and us a basis for our relationship with God. If we took this passage just a little more literally and we looked at what God's joy would be, let me ask you, what would make God joyful? If it's his joy, what do you think it is? Creation maybe? Maybe my good behavior? But we are taught that God already created the earth and all that's in it. And if it's me, well, then he's doomed to permanent disappointment. Because I can rarely get it right for more than two minutes in a row. So what if we take seriously the notion that as my Genesis workbook said, joy is mainly produced by somebody being glad to see you. In this passage, we are presented with a moment where the Israelites are standing and listening to God's word as it was read to them. And they stand for six hours, men, women, and children. They have returned from exile. They have reconstructed the walls to build their, for their city. They have gathered Levites and priests. And just when it seemed they are done and they can begin their life again, Ezra reads the word and they begin to cry. Maybe we think his tears is only as a sign of repentance. However, it is not repentance we see in this passage, but celebration that God calls us to. Without the presence, the very real presence of God in their lives, Jerusalem would be just another city. Just a set of repaired walls, and this would be just another day in the human race. Now, when my father was dying, his memory was spotty. And in July, when my daughter Kate came to see him, he lit up when she walked into the room. He says, I'm so glad to see you. He said, I almost cried when you came in the door. It's been 20 years, and I have missed you so much. She said, Papa, I was here three months ago. It feels like 20 years, he said. My father's delight in my daughter is a pale echo of our Heavenly Father's love for us. And his delight, his joy when we meet him. When we see him. I believe that conviction of sin as response to the reading of the word would cause them to weep. But in those first few books, do you think they also heard God's desire to be with them? His chase that he makes after his children? Maybe they heard the joy of Jacob when he got his new name. The joy of Hagar at being recognized in the desert when she was alone and she called him the God who sees me. The joy and delight of their ancestors at being, being pursued and then rescued in a miraculous way from their oppressors. This God who supervised the rebuilding of the broken city of Jerusalem and who then wants to be seen, he longs to be part of our lives. Part of the lives of the restored. To, 
to be with us in joy, knowing that he is glad to see us. When I read this passage recently, looking for whether or not I had it right, I struggled until I looked at the remaining verses, picking up at verse 10. Then he said to them, go eat of the fat, drink of the sweets, and portions. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites call, calmed all the people, saying, be still, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went away to eat, to drink, send portions, and celebrate a great festival. Because they understood the words that had been known, made known to them. Sometimes the indifference of the people in my life, the inability of those that I have loved to express their love to me has created a lack of joy. When I faced that my husband was not going to be able to turn back from his drug addiction, I had a complaint. I had nothing in me. There was no well I could dig into deep enough to take care of that. The knowledge that there would be no 50th wedding anniversary, there would be no husband being at, the, at my daughter's wedding. He wouldn't be there. I have felt lost and abandoned and alone. But then there was this moment when Jesus came to get me, when he searched me out and he found me. This moment is echoed over and over again in our Bible. David dancing in his underwear in the streets. The joy of the prodigal being welcomed home after a life of sin. The children welcomed for Jesus' blessing. This delight, it's there over and over again. This delight God has when we see him. When he sees us, he is so glad. And those moments, those are holy moments. What we see in the story of Nehemiah is a picture of a God who brings his lost children home helps them rebuild and gathers them from other places and then introduces his most intimate self. The words from his book, he introduces himself, he tells us stories, he gives us psalms, he gives us things so that we know he is his joyous at seeing us. It seems as if the whole Bible is constructed to tell me that God is glad to see me, that he takes joy in me, that he takes joy in you. His joy is in my humanity, and his delight is my strength. Let's go back to that first quote I gave you. Joy is a unique form of gladness, and it is mainly produced by somebody being glad to see you. Can it be that he is delighted to see me, to be with me, to be with you, that his face lights up when you walk into the room, when you get up in the morning, and he's like, she's up. He's up. I get to talk to her. I get to talk to him. That is his joy. This is the healing power of joy. Healing and developing our joy center, knowing that he is glad to see us. It is the most important part of getting free of destructive relationships and behaviors because we know he will be glad and that he celebrates with us each step that we take. And oh, by the way, the, my natural response to someone being glad to see me is to be glad right back. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is a natural response. I, who have often seen myself as less than worthy of love, cannot and would not ever 
initiate this dance of joy. I couldn't do it. It is he, and only he, who can do that. I love a couple of lines in Psalm 27, and I give them to you this morning as God's personal invitation to be seen by him, to be pulled to him in gladness, and invite you to be healed by this joy of his, and to let it be your strength. My heart has heard you say, Come talk to me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And all of God's children said, Amen. 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 Do I close in prayer for you guys, or do you do Please, that? Uh, well, I, I think probably we'd be taking an offering first. Yeah, we would take an offering. You know what? My gift to you this morning. If you take an offering, split it between the two plates. My gift. Thank you. It's a joy then, then to be you can, here. Then you can close in prayer. I can close in prayer? Okay. Let us pray together. <laughs> Lord, you are so, you cared so much for us. You had so much joy for us. You sent a baby. You, you wanted to be with us so bad. The angels must have just shook their head when you said you were coming down to earth to be with broken folks like us. We thank you. And as you are glad to see us, we are glad to see you. We ask that you bring this healing joy into our lives, into all our habits, all our behaviors, all our relationships, because we need it so desperately. Help us to know that we cannot generate it on our own, that it is you that does that for us. So we ask blessings on everybody who has walked in, as they walk out, that they take the joy of the Lord with them today. In Jesus' name.